I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and to turn to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 16. We're going to finish chapter 1 tonight. Um, we, we went through the book of 1 Peter, and I didn't know I was going to have any privilege or opportunity after that, but I'm glad to be in here, and we're, we'll be through with one chapter of the next book here at the end of the night. 2 Peter, chapter 1, starting in verse 16. It says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. We gave also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. There was a college professor, and his name was Gerald R. Bergman. And he wrote a very interesting article. And he titled it, The Wonders of the Natural World, God's Design. And he points out some things. Um, he points out how advanced God's creation is over human inventions. For instance, before we ever discovered electricity, electric eels could... could produce their own electricity up to 700 volts at will long before this discovery uh, of electricity. Before the invention of the electric lights, fireflies could communicate with one another, and uh, they did that long before the invention of that light. Um, before learning to navigate the seven seas, Whenever birds would travel from the Arctic to the Antarctic, they would stop and nest along the way in the same place every year. So navigation was already under control. You know, we take pride in our jet aircraft, but the octopus had, had a, had a heads up on that long before we got to that point in inventing things. See, the octopus used these jet thrusts long before we did and before we came up with them. 
Because in the bulging body of this octopus, there are muscular sacs. And when these muscular sacs would expand, it would suck water in. And when they would contract, the water would go out as jets and it would move that octopus along in a jet propelled type of way through the water. Before the design and the building of suspension bridges, yeah, you guessed it, God had spiders. And spiders are these master engineers in the making of these webs, uh, and, and all of the details of the design are just as the, the weight load of a bridge that people designed later on. Air conditioning, bees, air condition the hives with their with their wings uh, on their own beavers beavers could build quite a dam out of mud and trees long before man ever designed a dam oh wow wasp wasp manufacture a certain kind of paper you t- you take an old nest you'll see that there's a paper like material that they've made Man has developed radar sonar. This is, this was to be this grand discovery, this grand invention that was celebrated in science. Though you can put bats blindfolded in a room and you can take thread and you can make that thread go from wall to wall, all the thread you want all over the place, and you set those bats loose, blindfolded, and they will not run into one single thread as they go through the room because they have these built-in supersonic pulses to where what goes out from them hits the object and bounces back to the bat's ears. So, sorry even on that grand discovery, it was naturally already in place. Long before man's inventions or supposed inventions, there was intelligent design by by an amazing creator. That is God. And people like to design and imagine so many things in their minds, in religion. People like to try to make these grand discoveries in religion from the Word of God, the same old Word of God that we've had forever. I tell you, I've said it before, I don't like to hear anything new. I'm a little leery of hearing something new. I like to hear the good old gospel truth of the Lord Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. And as we know, entering into Second Peter, it's not like First Peter. First Peter was writing to Christians about suffering. Second Peter is a writing to the same Christians, but it's about being be aware of false doctrine. Beware, be warned of false doctrine because it's out there. It's out there in people's imaginations. They love to come up with things. They love to try to corrupt those that are of the truth with their false doctrine you know and and there are those who believe that that technology and education is the key to life 
that peace in life comes from in all these innovative things and all we can learn. And there's nothing wrong with learning and there's nothing wrong with education, but it doesn't bring about a fulfillment and a peace in life. Only the truth does that. So as we consider the warning that is written concerning false teaching, we need to beware because man would like to think that he can produce life and he can produce a peace by the work of his own hands. And the error in that is that nothing that man produces goes beyond this life. It ends when this life ends. Man's soul will live on forever in one of two places, but the works of his hands will end and it will cease. The system of belief, the systems of religious belief, if it is opposed to the word of God, these systems will end when a man's life ends. The only thing that keeps false religion alive, it's actually always dead, but the idea of it being alive, it's only alive in the imagination of man. And once man dies, that imaginary religion is going to die. But the Christian must be careful because the false teacher is out to corrupt those who are of the truth. You know, and as I think about false teachers and as I think about those who would profess that there is no God, I just believe that down deep in the heart of everyone, they know there's life beyond the grave. And they know that they of them in and of themselves cannot produce life beyond the grave. But in pride and in sinfulness, People come up with a false system, but deep down in their heart, I believe there's a cry from everyone for life, that they would be able to have life and that there is an awareness of a creator who can give life. It's sinfulness and it's stubbornness and it's bitterness in the world that keep people from coming to the truth. And I tell you what, God wants to give life to anyone. And God can. He is well able to give life to anyone. Anyone? Have you believed? Have you believed in the great salvation of God? That's the major title over chapter 1 here. The great salvation of God. Have you believed in the salvation of God? How do you know that a person can be saved by God? How do you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth? I ask that sincerely, knowing we have a core church here and we have a lot of faithful Christians here, but I've known some people that just got off a, a little way in, in their life as a professing Christian, and they started doubting things. I can't say I've ever doubted the truth of God. And I know a lot of false professors definitely doubt the truth of God. But some have even said that as a Christian before. I don't understand that. But bottom line, we need, we need to consider 
the danger of false doctrine. We need to consider how important it is that we hold to God's truth. And this is the subject of chapter 1. How do we know that we believe? Why do we believe? We can answer these questions through many parts of the Bible. The way Peter specifically answers these questions tonight, we believe because of three points we're going to share for a minute. We believe because of the power. We believe because of the proof. And we believe because of the prophecy. Let's get right into us believing because of the power. Verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll stop right there and just say that there is no power in a fable. There is no power in a falsehood. There is no power in, in what's fiction. Um, uh, 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 the figment of the imagination. There, there is no power in that. There's, I've, I've never even cared too much for fiction movies. I love movies based on a true story, a good, pure, wholesome movie that's based on something true. But, but the idea of fables, that's what, that's what man comes up with in, in his mind, independent of God is something that is is fiction it is false and and peter is saying to these christians that as an apostle he has not treaded in the steps of any false teachers nothing that he has received as an apostle nothing he taught them was of a second-handed nature that he wasn't taught by a man and then a man taught him. He was an apostle sent by God on a mission and he was sent with the message of God from God. Peter is letting them know that they have heard the pure truth from him. You know, Jesus asked, whom say ye that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And then I love what Jesus said when He says, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So you understand the Bible truth that we have and the writing of the Apostle, it was, it was from heaven that God gave him the truth that he had. And Peter knows that these Christians have false teachers coming around all over the tr place trying to sweep them off their feet with with their fables and with their with their negative talk of the apostles Paul was always spoken of by the false teachers as saying he got his information second hand you can't depend on him you've got to be careful of it but but there is a power there is a, a, a power of God and it's undeniable the truth as we consider the power of the first coming of Jesus Christ you consider Jesus Christ coming to this earth in His miraculous birth, the way He came. And I tell you what, God brought peace to this earth. God has power to give life. And God has power to give peace to anyone who will receive it. God deeply cares for the human soul. He created us. He loves us and He wants to give eternal life and He has the power to do so. And He's done so. 
I've received eternal life in Jesus Christ because of the power of Almighty God through sending His Son. He sent His Son and He showed His love to this world. He, he showed the power of Almighty God Himself in heaven. He sent His Son to save us. This shows us that God loves us. There is no doubt of the power and the love of God that He has for His children. He showed it by the way He presented Jesus Christ into this world through a miraculous birth. He showed it by the way that Jesus pressed on through the constant persecution that came upon Him, though He was living in perfection, and though He was loving people, and though He was sharing the truth of God with them, He pressed on through the persecution. And then He was put on the cross... He was put in the grave, but He was raised from the dead by the power of Almighty God. I tell you, there we believe because of the power. We serve a risen Savior. He is risen from the grave, and that's the power of God. We see His power in the first coming, but we also see His power in the second coming. And though the first coming of Jesus Christ has already happened, we believed in, believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ just as we have believed in the first coming. No less than what hasn't come yet. We believe in the power of God. God is going to reveal His love and He's going to reveal His power again. He's going to do it again for you and I when Jesus returns. Praise God for the power of the second coming. It's the power of God doing something very soon that we're going to see that He has already done before. He's going to give us a double dose of His love. He's going to give us a double dose of His power in a very special way. Things are getting worse and worse in this world. The Bible lets us know that things are going to get worse. So many people are getting so far from God. You knock on the doors and the neighborhood's close by. And people can't tell you how to get to heaven. A lost person could tell you how to get to heaven 30, 40 years ago. But they can't even tell you today. People are getting so far away from God. And they are getting so caught up in their own imaginations. And all of these wild beliefs and... I can't even keep up with the names of the new false beliefs that are out there. But in such a wicked day and time that seems to be going in the same direction, we know that there is no power that can succeed over our God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My Father is greater than all. And there will never be anyone greater than our Father. I tell you, there is power, power in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We believe. We believe because of the power. We also believe because of proof in verses 17 and 18. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We believe because of the proof. And the proof actually starts back in verse 16 as you see that word eyewitness. 
Peter was an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus. The witness, the witnesses of Jesus' walk were used as the writers of the word, as the Holy Spirit moved upon them. They, there was no middleman here, you understand? They were the writers of the word, the witnesses of Jesus. Peter was with Jesus as he preached that he was the Messiah. Peter was with Jesus as he performed miracles. As he was punished on the cross in man's place, Peter was there. Peter was a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and all he went through as, as he died in man's place. Uh, and, and as we consider this, even a lost man, Nicodemus, says, no one can do the things that you're doing unless God be with him. You understand the power was undeniable even by a lost man at the time, Nicodemus. There is, there is a proof. It was seen what Jesus did. It was seen by Peter. It was seen by Peter, James, and John, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Up high on that hill, on that mount, as Jesus was transfigured, as His physical form took on a spiritual form. We understand that from Luke chapter 9 and verse 29, when it says that, that the fashion of His countenance was altered, that there was a change that took place. The glory of God shined on Jesus Christ. And this is something that Peter, James, and John had the special privilege of witnessing themselves. They saw Jesus in this transfiguration. Jesus was seen by over 500 witnesses as He resurrected from the grave. We believe because of a proof, a proof that has been given. He was a witnessed ascending to heaven after those 40 days that he was on earth in a glorified body. We believe because of the proof, the proof of seeing, but not only the proof of seeing, we saw something else in these verses, and it was the proof of hearing. I saw somebody with a, I saw a man with a t-shirt on the other day, and it said, I do what the voices in my wife's head tell me to do. And, you know, I, uh, I, was, I don't know what show it was. I was watching some, some police show on TV, and they were making fun of this woman because God was moving on her and giving, giving some, some, some unction of things that were going on. And, and, of course, they made it look real flaky, and people are, people are a little skeptical, skeptical to talk about how how God led them to do this, God moved them to do this, and, and God does direct, God does guide, but people are leery to say things like this. But I tell you what, Peter wasn't stuttering, Peter wasn't trying to sugarcoat, Peter wasn't wondering who was going to take him the wrong way. Peter was speaking very clearly when he says that he heard the Word of God from heaven talking to the Son of God on earth. He, he pointed out every 
detail. He even talked about what he said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You understand that there is a, a proof of why we believe what we believe. Because Peter heard it. And God has used him to tell us about what he heard. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a hallucination. Peter wasn't diagnosed as being crazy. He was a very solid apostle of God. And he heard the voice of God from heaven. We believe because of the proof. The proof of hearing that Peter testifies of. I mean, he quoted precisely what he heard, he talked about the where it came from and the destination of what he said and where it was going to. It was going to the Son of God. I tell you what, we believe because of a proof. But as we go to verses 19 through 21, we see that we believe because of the prophecy. It says we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Man, you think about when Jesus was on this earth. We, you think about the birth, the, the miraculous birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the fish and the bread, he multiplied it, he he fed 5,000 plus. It was like a, like a 15,000 plus probably deal because it was men and their wives and children. And he took just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. And, and he miraculously was able to feed everyone with fish and bread. He raised the dead. He healed those of disease. And you think about you think about him upon this earth and, and, and what he did and what was seen upon this earth. Peter and James and John had the privilege of seeing the glory of God. They had a glimpse of future glory in the in the first coming of Christ. They had a glimpse of the second coming of Christ and they got to experience that and they got to see that. I'll never forget the the fellow I was talking to at work years ago and he and he said he really wanted what I believed. He said, but he has to see something and something has to happen that he can see for this to take place. And, and I tell you what a privilege, what an honor it was to see the Lord Jesus Christ by those who were on this earth at this, that time, the works of Christ. The amazing walk of Christ as he was followed. Then Jesus was in person. Now, right now, Jesus is in the precepts. Then in person, now in the precepts. Then there were eyewitnesses. Now we can put our eye on the word. Which would we prefer? Which one would we prefer to have? Which one would, would, would help our walk more? Which one would help us to stand in the truth more? Well, Peter gives the answer. And the answer is not to go back in the day. The answer is to have the Bible today. The answer is what we have here today. Do you see what he says there? He says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. 
You understand what we have in the Word of God today versus any sign that you could see versus anything you could have seen back in that day. We need to trust this more. We need to trust the Word of God more. Verse 19 says that we have a more sure word of prophecy, a light that shineth in a dark place. Scripture is more trustworthy than the eyewitness situation. How do we know about the transfiguration on the mount? How can we know about the details of it? Because of the Word of God. This event that happened is backed and supported by the Word of God. It needs the Word of God today to support that for the power of what happened on that mountain. We know what happened on that mountain because of the Word that we have before us. An enormous amount of prophecies have been fulfilled and shall be fulfilled, and we know it because we have the Word of God. Our, our faith is sure that Jesus Christ is the Messiah because of the Word of God, because of all the matching prophecies that have been fulfilled. We know that our Lord has, is, and shall perfectly fulfill every prophecy that is in the Word of God. And we know it because we have the Word of God. We have a more sure prophecy right here in the Word. The Word of God is light that shines in darkness. The Word of God is light that reveals the righteous path that you and I are to walk on. It's... It, Cast light upon the stumbling stones that are before us that we can detour. And it helps us to see the ditch on each side of the righteous path of God that he wants us on. The, the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we need to hide it in our heart that we will not sin against God. The scriptures are better than sight. Therefore, that's why we study. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why we learn the Word of God. And that's what these Christians need to do that Peter's writing to because the false teachers have a wild imagination and they have quite a plan to present their false teaching to those who are of the truth. We need to trust this more. We need to trust it until we soar. And what I mean by that, in the end of verse 19, it says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. The day star is Jesus Christ. And He is already in the hearts of believers. But when He comes back to the clouds, we are going to arise. We are going to soar to Him. And until that time, we need to be in the more sure word of prophecy. It's protection from the false teacher. It's the supply of what we need every day. Our minds need to be tuned to the Bible channel. And I'm not talking about the television set. 
I'm talking about the Word. I'm a leery about a lot of things I hear on the television set Bible channel. But when we tune our minds to this Bible channel, that is where we need to be. We need to trust it more. We are going to trust it until we soar. You understand? It's proven. The Bible is proven to be profitable for doctrine. In other words, it teaches us. It's proven to be profitable for reproof. It, 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 it shows us where we're wrong. It convicts us where we're wrong. It's, it's proven to be profitable for correction. The Bible doesn't just show us where we're wrong. It shows us how to make it right. And it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. How to keep things going right. It's our absolute necessity in life. We need the Word of God. We need to trust it more. We need to trust it till we soar. We need to trust... The spirits more than yours. And what I'm talking about here is interpretation. The interpretation of the Bible. Know, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the, prop, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit of God. The meaning of the scriptures, the teaching of the what the Bible means. If I tell the teenagers all the time, if I wrote you a letter and you didn't understand what it said, how much sense would it make to go ask someone else? Ask the one who wrote the letter and the Holy Spirit of God leads and guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit of God is right in line with the Word of God and teaches you and I the Word of God. And we need to trust the Spirit's interpretation more than our interpretation, you understand. People can interpret Scripture uh, on their own if they want, but the problem is they're not going to be correct in doing so. They're not going to be right to do so. The one who ultimately wrote it, our divine author God, wants you and I to depend on Him for understanding the Scriptures of God. You know, likening the Bible to a puzzle... There's many people out there with many beliefs and there are many denominations. There are many religions and they're they're taking this puzzle piece and they're trying to cram it where it doesn't belong. I when I get to that place in a puzzle, I try it once. If it doesn't work, I I, I remove it unless I can't find somewhere else for it to go. And then I just try to beat it down in there and 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 make it work. And that's what a lot of people do with with doctrine, with their teaching. They, they try to make one verse fit here whenever it, it doesn't fit there and it's going to get messed up down the road in what something else says. You understand the Bible protects, protects the Bible. What the Bible says in one place, it's go, probably going to say it again in four or five or 75 other places. That's why, that's why there's that old saying, the more you know about the Bible, the more you know about the Bible. The more you learn the Bible, the more you can learn the Bible because it all connects together and it protects itself. Scripture protects Scripture. The Holy Spirit explains Scripture to you and I. The Spirit teaches one meaning. There could be a lot more unity in Christianity if Christians had a teachable spirit and they would let the Holy Spirit teach them, teach them the one meaning of every word, of every verse, of every chapter 
of every book. I'm not saying we don't have a life application thought of where the, how this touches our heart and how it reminds us of something in our lives. But, but what does it mean? And what do the words mean? What, does the, what is the verse saying? There's one meaning. And we could have a lot more unity. And there's a lot of things that I won't even go into that's dividing the unity of the one meaning in the word of God. Well... We believe, we believe, but, but why do we believe? We believe because of the power. We not only believe because of the power, we believe because of the proof. And we believe because of the prophecy. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. I tell you what, there's a defense here for the false teachers. That's why Paul had such an uneasy time with the churches in Galatia, how they started entertaining false things of works whenever the Apostle Paul had taught the gospel of grace and they were saved by the gospel of grace. Well, let us let us trust this more. Don't envy a time that, oh, maybe my Christian walk will be better. I just missed it by 2000 years. Isaiah chapter 53 says there is no form or comeliness that we should desire him. In other words, it's not about his presence. It's about who he is. And we have him in our heart. And we have his perfect infallible word. It's a guard. It's a guard against the false teaching. It's exactly the remedy and the help that these Christians need. Now that the immediate time of suffering that they've gone through is not as great. They have someone trying to get to them internally instead of externally through false teaching, through the fables, through the imaginations, through the fairy tales of the religion of almighty God that's in this wor world. Be in the word and, it, and it's your defense and it's my defense. And right here at this point, I, I appreciate your time. It's been good to be in the Word of God. Y'all have some good singing. Y'all praise the Lord together. And I'm going to take...